Oh yeah, RadioNext.tv on the Cool Groove site, and we are back once again. I love it when time flies like this, because this <laughs> is one of my favorite parts of the week. It is hump day uh, every Wednesday, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Comenius Institute presents Warp and Wolf Radio. Yes, sir. Dr. Mark Eckel, Harold H.B. Bell. Dr. Mark, how are you, sir? Doing really well. I just uh, flew down from, well, didn't fly, but I drove down from Chicago, got in about 1 o'clock this morning. We were just at the... Uh, consortium meeting for the Christian Study Centers, uh, to which Cominius belongs, and uh, met with folks from around the country and heard some great speakers, talked about things that are going to impact us here in Indianapolis. And uh, we just found out that we are the only live radio program that's in right. the consortium, and that's congratulations to you, sir, and uh, as we go, we know, two years strong now that's right. going in and, and making sure that uh, we're combining wisdom and knowledge to help benefit not only the younger folks, but maybe some older folks out here that are listening today. Um, we have a very special show for you today, and we're going to be talking about assisted suicide on Warp and Wolf Radio, mm-hmm. Dr. Mark. It's going to be really deep and broad here, brother. It's a, it's a very important topic. Uh, the issues of what one deals with personally with their own life is one thing, but it, when government gets involved, we all know that government expands and enlarges and messes things up. And so we are going to be talking about that. Uh, if you want a little mud in something, just get the government in. Right? <laughs> That's Too much right. government, more mud. Uh, and what we're going to do is we're going to explore it. And as we do each and every week on Warp and Wolf Radio, the first hour, Dr. Mark and I will be talking about how assisted suicide relates to um, the book that we always use to make our reference point known, Proverbs. Yes, right. And then we're going to have a very special guest. Tell me about our special guest. Yeah, Dr. Agnes Schrader. She is a specialist here in uh, north north of Indianapolis uh, in the medical field. And uh, she is uh, actually one of the uh, foremost docs here in Indianapolis who is standing against assisted suicide uh, belongs to the Christian Medical Dental Association, a good friend of Cominius Institute and Warp and Woof Radio, and uh, really glad to have uh, Dr. Schrader with us today and looking forward to that discussion. Well, you sit tight, go get your little coffee or some water or whatever you need because we're going to go in as soon as we come back, as we do. We have a little jazz interlude here. You are listening to Warp and Woof Radio on the Cool Groove site at RadioNext.tv. RadioNext.tv on the Cool Groove site. Dr. Mark Echo, Harold H.B. Bell, Cominius Institute, Warp and Wolf Radio. As we told you earlier, each and every Wednesday morning, uh, bringing you some real candid conversation that can help you uh, intertwine the wisdom and the knowledge that is of Proverbs. And mm-hmm. uh, we're going to go right, first of all, before we go yeah, right in. go. Thank yeah. you for the special gift last week of uh Ma Echo coming Aww. into TV, man. That was so special for me. I Look, I got more likes on my page for that than <laughs> anything I've ever had likes for. Uh, no, seriously, man, oh, uh, j- just a beautiful woman, beautiful spirit. Ma, if you're out there listening, just jumbo love to you. Yeah. And thank you for that. It's uh, wonderful. Mark, today, man, we're touch, uh, uh touchy subject and it's um it's relevant because we are celebrating and trying to have a movement here not just an event a movement uh talking about mental health awareness and prevention of certain things suicide is one of those things that is right at the top of the list and so we're going right in and uh you know we know scripture and we know bible and and suicide is not one of those things that god um it's happy 
yeah uh that we have to encounter if that's if that's something that we need to encounter right uh first of all let's give a little bit about Comenius again as we would not be here for without Comenius. Yeah, absolutely so Comenius is a bridge between high school and, and college for young people who are really going into public university and, and listening to different ideas and thoughts for the very first time sometimes in their life uh, but they have somebody who uh, comes and sits and talks with them has discussions we have uh uh, lunchtime discussions, as well as one-on-one uh, dialogues with students about questions and issues that they're facing in the classroom, the subjects and the, in the uh, ideas that they're confronting at uh, places like IUPUI. We have a brand-new website. Go to CominiusInstitute.org or .com, and you'll see some of the uh, new updated websites. Real thanks to Josh Collingswood and to Liz Meyer for helping with that project and uh, did a great job there. You actually see some of my uh, radio interviews. I've been doing radio interviews with Moody Radio there. We also have some, well, all of our podcasts are there, actually, from uh, this particular radio show, as well as some of the video shots of me teaching uh, in various issues, including uh, the issue of suffering. And so if you're at all uh, concerned about assisted suicide and you're saying to yourself, you know, there are people out there that are suffering, what are we going ha- to do with that? Uh, we actually, on the Comenius website, as well as warpandwoof.org, uh, we have that video series on suffering. I highly recommend that uh, you go and check that out. And if you have any questions or if you would like to uh, be a patron, become a patron of uh, Cominius Institute, uh, maybe pay for a month or a half year or a whole year of radio here at Cominius Institute, uh, send me an email at echel1957, that's E-C-K-E-L, 1957, at gmail.com. And uh, let's uh, begin a dialogue about some of those things. HB, uh, this is uh, an important ministry that we have here in Indianapolis, and we're really glad to be able to share that with folks. And thank you for the last, uh, going on two years now, man. That's right. We have been bringing uh, Comenius to the public. Uh, Today's subject matter is assisted suicide. Um, As I mentioned, it is a touchy subject. People are afraid to talk a lot about um, the things that might uh, make them even consider attempting suicide. And as we know, statistics are showing more and more that people have contemplated this. That's right. Um, And please don't let two to three seconds of uh, uh, disdain take away a life. Exactly. Uh, that, that, that's what I will say before we start with the personal that's stuff good. on this. Absolutely. But uh, we're talking about assisted suicide. Give us some brief overview on what we're talking about, Mark. Sure. So the issue of suicide is uh, pretty famous in terms of a word. Suicide simply means taking one's life. Uh, when you talk about assisted suicide, you're talking about somebody else coming alongside to help you end your life. So that's generally what we're uh, discussing here in terms of what assisted suicide is. But let me go to uh, some very uh, specific, relevant, some old but some new uh, ideas about assisted suicide. And we'll be talking about uh, some of these websites and connections uh, all the way through. Uh, let me go back to uh, a movie from the 1970s. I know this is going to be, uh, for some of the older folks out there, they'll remember this. The movie was Soylent Green. Soylent Green, where the famous line at the end of the movie, Soylent Green is people. Uh, when we talk about uh, assisted suicide, we really go back to even a movie like Soylent Green where uh, they were ending people's lives when they reached the age of 65 so that they would no longer uh, take any of the uh, the resources that human beings had at that particular time. That was the big issue in that particular film, along with an apocalyptic emphasis. 
But uh, there's also a newer uh, movie. In fact, it's uh, actually a TV show. You can find it on Netflix. And it's called 13 Reasons Why. And it's a really a sad portrait of a young woman explaining why she committed suicide, giving the 13 reasons why she did this. And it's very popular uh, with teenagers on Netflix. Uh, Other folks have posted about how difficult this is to engage, uh, and some are just horrified by the fact that this has become such a a popular component in American culture. Uh, It came actually from a a novel to begin with. But 13 Reasons Why is something to look for. Look for uh, the pros and cons to that particular message because that is a really important uh, thing that's going on right now. Uh, You can actually watch it on television. But I want to say one more thing about this. Uh, There was an article by uh, a member of the Dutch Parliament uh, that was published in the Wall Street Journal. And listen to this title. In the Netherlands, the doctors will kill you now. That's the title of that. The doctor will kill you now. And instead of saying the doctor will see you now, he will kill you now. And what's happening in places like the Netherlands, which uh, allowed assisted suicide way back in uh, 2002, They're beginning this slippery slope. We'll say more about slippery slope uh, in the minutes to come. But they're allowing this slippery slope to take place so that doctors are now imposing their views on the patient, whether or not the patient knows it or not, to the degree that they they are now wearing wristbands that say, do not kill me in the Netherlands if, you, if I come to an end-of-life decision. So this is what will happen when we allow assisted suicide, and especially the government. I'll more to say about the government later. Anytime the government becomes involved in these issues, we are muddying the water, and it's going to be a fast slide down a bad hill, HB. I hear you, man. And uh, right now, uh, America, uh, in the United States, five states allow assisted suicide. That's right. Uh, we'll name those states shortly. And uh, I can remember very clearly um, the Dr. Kevorkian uh, assisted suicide machine back That's in right. the 90s. And, uh, you know, man, I mean, people were kind of like, uh, it was spooky Yeah. Uh, to think that somebody could actually... Uh, assist in taking the life of someone willingly so you know uh, uh of course you know murder was the cry sure back in the day so as a christian brother and, and you know we are christian brothers yes right to say differences in opinions on certain things but why should this topic matter for christians yeah this is an important topic i'm going to give just three brief reasons uh the first is that we have a creator creature connection that is the creator has the power of life and death we do not. And so he's the one who should be in charge of both life and death. Uh, when we talk about, we could talk about assisted suicide, we could also flip this over to the issue of abortion and uh, deal with that particular issue as well. God is the one who is in charge of life and death. Number two, the image of God in human beings. The image of God. When I look at HB, when I look at somebody else in the consortium I was just at in Chicago, I see anybody anywhere, I am looking at the image of God. Why can we say that people have worth, value, and dignity? Because every single person is made in God's image. Number three, we talked about slippery slope already. This is an issue of ethics, right and wrong. Government-sanctioned issues will always expand, never contract. Once a government program starts, you can never get it back. Once the laws are allowed, look out. This is an issue that we're going to continue to deal with. And number four, for the Christian, we should be concerned and committed to help 
and hope and healing. This is huge for us as Christians. Okay. You sound... <laughs> <laughs> I'm passionate, man. <laughs> I, I feel the passion, too. And, and, and you've said a couple of things in there, you know, about us not being God um, and, and what we owe in the obligation as our Christian walk states. And then, you know, I, keep, I always go back to that point, though, then, you know, there, there's a point where... I have to separate my beliefs and in, in the love of my God like you do yours and then individual uh, decisions that are made are going to be individual decisions. And, and you know, when, when sure. I get back to that, I'm pro, you know, I'm pro life, but then I'm also the choice of somebody else to do what they need to do in their life. And here's the thing with that, I, and I see where you're coming from there, but my point would only be, only be I'm never going to stop somebody from doing what they're going to do. But once you start allowing assisted suicide where docs are in charge of making decisions along now the patients, we are now, in we're another, in, now we're in another chamber of that right. conversation. So last in this segment right here, uh, and we always use Proverbs as our, our baseline, uh, what, is, what does Proverbs have to say about suicide. Yeah. This is a sadness. Uh, you know, I was just doing some work on this yesterday and looking at places like Proverbs 18.1. Proverbs 18.1 says, whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire and he breaks out against all judgment. You even mentioned this a moment ago, HB, about uh, if you are at all contemplating this, even for a moment, uh, stop to consider you're not isolated by yourself. Uh, and another uh, statement from Proverbs, there are many here we could talk about. Rescue those who are being taken away to death. Hold back those who are stumbling to the slaughter. This is uh, out of Proverbs 29 and verse 7. Ultimately, HB, the issue of uh, Proverbs and the issue of all of Scripture comes back to this question, really the question of all of life. Who says? The problem of assisted suicide and a suicide as itself, by itself is that autonomy, that is self-government, is an incomplete solution. Assisted suicide always begins with the same word that someone must assist. And so then the question becomes, who is going to do the assisting? Who's going to make the decision about this concerning a person's end of life? So it's not really about autonomy, but who decides who's included in this? And so when we talk about human autonomy, we're talking about human choice. It will never totally be an individual choice. Choices are always dependent on other voices. So human choice, hear, it, hear this closely now, everybody. Human choice always discriminates. Every single time, human choice always discriminates. So again, we are left with a question, who says, if we are made in God's image, if he's the creator and we're not, that is the baseline issue. He has the authority, not us. Well, <laughs> drop the mic moment. That's no, it, man. no, that is true. Uh, just stick by. We got one song. We're going to come back. Uh, this is a very, very sensitive subject matter, and, and one that uh, when you leave here today, I don't know if you'll have a firm belief in which way you think, right. but you will have some different information to That's digest. Right. So we'll be right back. You're listening to Warp and Wolf Radio on the Cool Group site. RadioNext.tv, you are listening to Warp and Wolf Radio, Comenius Institute-sponsored show each and every week, combining wisdom and knowledge and trying to make sense of this nonsense that we are dealing with in this world. And today, uh, Dr. Mark, and we mentioned it before, we are really addressing uh, prevention and awareness on all mental health issues. It is one of the uh, the biggest elephants in our room, right. uh, in our That's society. Right. And we were just talking off air, uh, not only in the African-American community, um, 
are we fractured uh, with, with some mental deficiencies, but as a whole, society as a whole, man, we, we have fear and anger running rampant in our community. Right. Both of those will send you right. to, to, to places that could include suicide as a thought. Give um, a shout out before you we go on here to, this, to uh, September 2nd. Oh, September 2nd, if you're out there listening, we're going to explore uh, having prevention and awareness about all mental health issues, everything from Alzheimer and dementia to schizophrenia and bipolar, uh, uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, suicide prevention, drug predict, uh, drug addiction awareness, everything that is plaguing our community in the mental health field and all those are mental health issues. Uh, we're going to have all the different resources and providers uh, surrounded by some great, great music in the park. We're going to have an art gallery uh, with Brendan Smile Foundation, and this is a suicide. Uh, this topic is close to me today. Mm -hmm. uh, lost my best friend. Uh, we've been friends since we were eight years old, over 50 years, and his grandson uh, lost his life to suicide in February. We started Brendan Smile Foundation. Mm -hmm. uh, he was a prolific artist, and uh, we're going to have an art gallery, art competition, scholarships given out in art, great music from some of the great musicians around the city, and then some of the resources and providers here. September 2nd, Garfield Park, 12 p.m. to 6 p.m. Public's absolutely invited, totally free. But let's come out and find out That's right. uh, where it's palatable. That's right. Um, and we can take in the information that we need to get our mental health in order as a community. There you go. So thank yeah, you so much. Great promo, that, man. Sir. Hey, man, unscripted, too. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. Second segment, man, we always touch on life and current events. Yeah. How does stopping assisted suicide laws promote a better uh, community? Sure. So, you know, HB, this is the program where we say Titus 3, do good, do good, do good. The three great commands out of Titus 3. Uh, this is what we are all about. We're helping others to flourish toward betterment, toward uh, giving them the beneficence that has been given to us uh, because of God's beneficence to us. But I want to take a minute here to read uh, just a piece of a story. Again, this one comes out of the Wall Street Journal as well. The title of this story is, I Want My Doctors to Help Me Live, Not Die. And so here, here is this man. Here's an Iraq War veteran. He's, he writes this, Aggressive brain cancer is trying to end my life. The best doctors in the world are racing to find a cure. Meanwhile, legislation promoting assisted suicide all over the nation would dismantle essential protections and care on which I and so many others depend as we fight terminal illnesses. Bills that would legalize and expand assisted suicide have been introduced in 29 states. So he says, Three years ago I was living the American dream, happily married. Son had just turned one. I had a job I loved. My life changed in an instant. I had a grand mal seizure at work. Went to the hospital, doctors ran tests, CT scan, couldn't find anything. As they prepared to send me home, my wife demanded an MRI. And so here he is with a grade 4 cancer. Neurosurgeon told me it would be inoperable. My prognosis was four months to live. Three doctors told me there was nothing they could do. He, here he goes on to talk about his Marine Corps uh, emphasis, the service for his country, and he's gone through so much. He said he wasn't giving up then, and he said now uh, when the doctors only gave him four months to live, he has been uh, on his own and living for three years, HB, three years. This is a fantastic story. I highly recommend it. Uh, this appeared in the July 7th issue this year, July 7th, uh, by J.J. Hansen entitled, I Want My Doctors to Help Me Live, Not Die. Awesome. Awesome. And, and, you know, that's where the will to live comes in as that's well. Right. You know, and part of it is that 
um, when we think that we're up against it, you know, that will, that determination to want to live is going to be so important. Right. Uh, we're talking about assisted suicide today on Warp and Wolf Radio. Second hour, uh, special guest is going to be Agnes Schrader. And Dr. Schrader is going to talk about uh, why she opposes as a Christian assisted suicide. Right. Uh, Mark, give me some examples of how Christians take a stand against assisted suicide. Do we have groups and action groups out there right now? That sure. Are yeah, there are lots of folks out there that are doing some really good things. Uh, I'll be mentioning them throughout our segments here. But let me go back in history. You mentioned this just a moment ago about Dr. Jack Kevorkian, 1990s Michigan. When I think about this, uh, I think about how my students and I, I was teaching in Michigan at the time, my students and I were standing against Dr. Jack Kevorkian and his what was called then his death machine. Here's a guy who, who would roll up in a van and then uh, feed you an intravenous fluid that would kill you in his van. And I was teaching my students the connection to Genesis image bearing uh, all the way since the 1980s. Uh, we've been dealing with this kind of thing. Uh, in the 80s and 90s, I would convene panel discussions with physicians about complex issues that we face as Christians, and nothing really has changed. Uh, I'm glad to write uh, anything in this regard because I so, so firmly believe in life. People ask me, why don't you talk more about politics? And I just kind of uh, smile at them and say, I will always defend these two issues. I will always defend freedom. If your freedoms are being taken from you, I don't care who you are, I will stand with you. And the second thing I will always fight for is life. And that means life from womb to tomb both ends of the spectrum. This is huge, very important. It's a justice issue for me. We'll talk more about other groups here in just a second. I know you like that womb to tomb, didn't you? I'm getting, you know, we use rooted to the tutor in the neighborhood, but that womb to tomb is pretty good. We're going to use that next time. Uh, last question in the second segment, and we know that you do a lot of your educational uh, teachings through uh, using movies. Yes. Uh, so what movies uh, would probably help us relate to the uh, issues of dying and people are already because here's the funny thing about it when you don't know you're dying dying is uh dying is just dying yep. i think right but when you already have this this prescription to say right in the next six to eight weeks in the next six to eight months dying right. then becomes another type that's the reason i was saying i couldn't give my personal mm-hmm opinion on what somebody would do i sure. know me and my relentless stuff i'm i'm going down to the <laughs> left me and god gonna have a conversation to the last breath and he might have some more left for me mm -hmm. uh versus me taking my own life but i can't say what somebody else would do knowing that they have a time frame set and sure. stamped on them so so what movies yeah do there we are, have that are relative there are a few here and i want to mention a couple that uh actually promote assisted suicide one is entitled The Sea Inside. This is Javier Bardem. Uh, for those who might have seen uh, Javier, you probably remember him most for No Country for Old Men. Uh, but here is a, an important film uh, to see the other side of this particular issue uh, where Bardem actually won some awards uh, for this particular film. It opened in America in 2005, The Sea Inside. I desperately disagree with this position, but nonetheless, it's an important uh, to, to make this known. The other one on the American side is uh, one done by Clint Eastwood, one of the great uh, directors of our day. Uh, I certainly love Clint and the great work he's done. But he did a movie called Million Dollar Baby where this was uh, a big issue and uh, you're watching this movie and then all of a sudden it comes at you sideways, the issue of assisted suicide. Again, I disagreed uh, with this particular perspective but at least want to mention it because you're going to have to deal with this when you deal with this in film. 
Two other quick uh, comments about this that don't deal with assisted suicide per se, but deal with doctors and their interaction with patients. The first one is entitled WIT, that's W-I-T, with Emma Thompson. And uh, here is this English prof who's dealing with her own uh, end-of-life conditions. A very powerful film, rated 8.5 on IMDb. And then William Hurt. William Hurt in a movie called The Doctor. Here's a man who is quite pompous and arrogant, thought he was all that, lots of money and so on, and then all of a sudden a terminal disease uh, hits him sideways, and now he has to deal with being the patient instead of the doctor. Uh, very much of a sympathetic issue toward patients, and that's why I mentioned those two particular films, that we become a little bit more uh, patient with patients. There you go. Uh, with uh, oh, when thought, we talk about you this, it, boy, you got it working today. You've been hanging around me too long. We're gonna come right back and end up this first hour uh, with with some more unassisted suicide before Dr. Schrader comes in. You're listening to Warping Wolf Radio on the Cool Groups. RadioNext.tv on the Cool Groove site. This is Warping Wolf Radio every Wednesday, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And this conversation is thick this morning, Mark. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we need to make sure that our community always, always can take away something that they can digest later and contemplate and think about. Um, you would have to ask yourself uh, some serious questions. What if you had a loved one? Uh, who knew that they were terminally ill and had a short period of time and your beliefs are I'm against assisted suicide Mm -hmm. and they were wanting and requesting assisted suicide how do you take that on sure Uh, those those are some things that we don't think about that we have to think about that's exactly right uh, and and I'm telling you one thing that I will say is this from living through this and and lost a dear friend of mine in, in December being older and and understanding that a, that an older guy has the you know back to the original point it wasn't how do I say this it wasn't as as heartfelt I guess as when little Brendan took his life mm. uh, because this was eighteen nineteen years old and a whole life ahead of right. him and uh, you know when somebody's fifty seven fifty eight years old like I say yeah. making grown people decisions yeah. and it's easier to live with than you're saying what could I have done for that baby. What yeah. could I have done for this young man? Right. Uh, say, what, what word could I have said to me? And if there's happen? nothing else that we can say about that, if we could just interject a, a very popular name in Indianapolis, Tony Dungy. Absolutely. And his young son. Absolutely. And the sadness of that and how he dealt with that. But this, is, this hit impacts everybody. It's not about class. It's not about color. It's not about creed. It impacts everybody. And, and, uh, and that leads us into uh, this, this, this first question in the last segment for the first hour. Uh, who are some Christian groups that are taking a stand against assisted suicide? Sure. I, I mean, uh, I'm sure the advocates are out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So let me give you just at least two. Uh, these are two very important and powerful groups. And uh, ones that, if you have not uh, heard about these groups in the past, uh, need to write these down. So the first one is the Center for Bioethics and Human Dignity. That's the Center for Bioethics and Human Dignity, and you can find them at cbhd.org. The Center for Bioethics and Human Dignity, this is from Trinity International University. And they have a, a page that I'm looking at right now that deals with uh, resources, Uh, concerning end-of-life decisions. There are all kinds of bibliographies here. There are some videos to watch. There are some very important popular resources where people are asking the kinds of questions we're dealing with right now, even in this very segment. 
uh, even about things like feeding tubes and clinics and how do we deal with DNR, that's do not resuscitate orders, all kinds of things there. I highly recommend it. Uh, once again, that's the Center for Bioethics and Human Dignity. I do want to mention this other group that's very important. In fact, Dr. Schrader is a part of this particular group. This is called CMDA. That's the Christian Medical and Dental Association, cmda.org. And on their particular site, they, they have a whole page on physician-assisted suicide and euthanasia. I want to just read what they've written here because it's very, very powerful. This is what they say. First of all, they quote the Hippocratic Oath, which is millennia old, which is the, basically the, been the guiding light for doctors for ages. And here it, in the Hippocratic Oath, it says, I will neither give a deadly drug to anyone if, if asked for it, nor will I make a suggestion to this effect. That's the Hippocratic Oath. Now, this statement above uh, is the foundational principle for medicine, and it's supposed to have been pledged by doctors. So this move to legalize physician-assisted suicide and euthanasia cuts cross-grain against this. Let me read to you uh, the Code of Ethics. This is from the American Medical Association, and this is what AMA says, and I quote, Physician-assisted suicide is fundamentally incompatible with a physician's role as healer would be difficult to control and would pose serious societal risks. And there's so much to talk about here, so I highly recommend that we all go back to the Christian Medical and Dental Association, that's CMDA. Those are just a couple of uh, sources there, HB, that'll get us down the road there today. Well, the Hippocratic Oath has a Staying <laughs> right <power>. name. <laughs> well, has a right name to, That's right. to it now, depending on how you want to look at it. Yeah. Uh, because these doctors are now being able to assist in taking the life of someone. Right. And, and so now we're talking about foundation of an organization and what they are designed to be and do mm -hmm. versus what's really happening. This is going to be interesting. Yeah. Uh, and as we mentioned now, uh, the measles start uh, with one little bump, mm -hmm. and uh, so does the way systems change. And That's right, right now we've got five states who have agreed to say it's okay That's right. to assist in the suicide of a, uh, of a person. So stay tuned for that. Listen right. for that because, once, as you mentioned, now you're, you're opening the door for uh, racial genocide. Uh -huh. now you're opening the door for uh, uh, social genocide. That's I mean, right. if you don't have enough money, let's just, you know. <laughs> get rid of them. Exactly. <laughs> Take care right. of them, yeah. yeah. And, and that's crazy when we start thinking about it. Uh, so what is the difference? Uh, you know, as Christians, we, we have a strong belief and mm -hmm. a strong foundation where we live in the spiritual world. Uh, what does um, culture versus Christians say about assisted suicide and just explain that for me. Sure. Well, I, instead of explaining it, I'm actually going to tell a story. I decided after, after I thought about this for a while, I just want to read this story. This is uh, called The Lithuanian Legend. This is really some cool stuff. So here it is. Here's the story. Several centuries ago, a curious but deadly plague appeared in a small village in Lithuania. What was curious about this disease was its grip on its victim. As soon as a person contracted it, he would go into a very deep, almost death-like coma. Most individuals would die within 24 hours, but occasionally a hardy soul would make it back to the full bloom of health. The problem was that since early 18th century medical technology was not very advanced, the unafflicted had quite a difficult time telling whether a victim was dead or alive. This didn't matter too much, though, because most of the people were in fact dead. But then one day it was discovered that someone had been buried alive. This alarmed the townspeople, so they called a town meeting to decide what should be done to prevent such a situation from happening ever again. 
After much discussion, most people agreed on the following solution. They decided to put food and water in every casket next to the body. They would even put an air hole up from the casket to the earth's surface, and a string attached to a bell above the ground was created so the grave could be dug up if need be. These procedures would be expensive, but they'd be more than worthwhile if they were going to save some people's lives. However, another group came up with a second, less expensive answer. They proposed implanting a 12-inch long stake in every coffin lid directly over the where the victim's heart would be. Then whenever doubts were, whatever doubts there might have been about whether the person was dead or alive would be eliminated as soon as the coffin lid was closed. That, HB, is the difference between a cultural and a Christian point of view. In the culture, if you're struggling, having difficulties, we don't have any problem offing you. But if, in the Christian view, we actually believe in life, then we actually want to make sure that we take every precaution to save someone's life. Look out, HB. I'm, I'm, I'm getting wild now. I feel you. I feel you, and that's the preacher coming out in you. But, you know, passion brings that out. And, and, right. and you, you either stand for something or you fall for anything. Um, I guess as we as we close down this first hour and before we await for uh, Dr. Schrader uh, to come in and give her viewpoints on why she is totally opposed to it, um, why is this issue important for all communities, man? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let me just mention one other group here, and I think this is an important group also to uh, be considerate of. It's called the Patients' Rights Action Fund. The Patients' Rights Action Fund, and it's uh, it's. The uh, tagline for the website is PatienceRightsAction.org. That's PatienceRightsAction.org. And this particular uh, group I actually connected with uh, because of that uh, story of, about the Marine that I just read uh, a few moments ago. But this particular website has all kinds of uh, very important information uh, here, and I think it would be very powerful for folks. I won't say anything more about it except to say check that out, patientsrightsaction.org. Uh, one other idea, though, that I wanted to mention here, and that is when we talk about the isu this issue for all communities, I want to say this. Minority communities should be the most concerned about this. They are the marginalized. They are the vulnerable. They are the weak uh, and this, and I'll say this other thing about the powerful in our society having much more to do with economics, profit-driven means to eliminate uh, payout for the insured. This is a big issue because why do insurers actually want to promote assisted suicide? Because it costs less. It costs less. HB, I'm starting to really get angry now. It costs less. So if you are doing assisted suicide, being pushed by the state at the national level, who's doing the pushing? It's people, HB, with power and pocketbook. And insurers would ever rather play a, fat, a flat fee for assisted suicide than continued care for terminal patients. Doggone it, HB, where's my pulpit? Uh, it is right here every Wednesday, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Warp and Wolf. But welcome into my world, Dr. Yeah, Mark that's Echo, it. and the community I live in. We'll be right back. Dr. Schrader is in the house, and we're going to continue this subject matter on assisted suicide. Why? Why we shouldn't? That's up to you, but Dr. Schrader has some reasons on why you shouldn't. We'll be right back. Warp and Wolf Radio on the Cool Group site. 
And we are back. You're listening to RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site. This is Warp and Woof Radio. You hear us every Wednesday from 10 until noon. And we are always glad to do all community all the time along with HB. And one of the taglines for our particular show is from Titus Chapter 3. To do good, do good, do good. We are always looking for folks in Indianapolis to interview on air to talk about what they are doing good in the Indianapolis area as Christians. So if folks are out there saying, hey, you know what, it would be really great to talk about this or that or the other thing, uh, just hit me up, Eckel1957, that's E-C-K-E-L, 1957 at gmail.com. And you'll find us there and uh, make some connections. I'm actually going out to lunch right after the radio show today to talk with somebody else about being on the program. Looking forward to that. Uh, But this is the kind of thing that is energizing communities around Indianapolis. And we're doing all kinds of uh, connections with all different kinds of folks about all different kinds of things. I was just at the Consortium uh, for Christian Study Centers in Chicago the last two days, meeting with other study center leaders, uh, which is what the Comenius Institute is allied with. And we spent some great time talking about great things. But one of the things that uh, kind of sets the Comenius Institute apart is actually the radio show. And the radio show is unlike any other study center. Nobody else has one. Nobody else does what we do. Uh, it's really a lot of fun, and we've really uh, do this to be a tremendous connection to community and to interact Christianly with all things in this regard. And this particular week, we're discussing a very difficult topic, but one that we don't shy away from, like we don't shy away from any topic on this show, and that is assisted suicide. And I have brought... Uh, here with us, a friend of Cominius Institute, Dr. Agnes Schrader, who is herself a special specialist in her field. Let her talk about that. Dr. Schrader, welcome to the show. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, your family, your vocational pursuits, and how your Christian beliefs have formed your views about everything in life. Okay. Thank you, Mark. It's nice to be here. Um, I've lived in Indianapolis since probably 1996 got married here in 97 my wonderful husband Ken um, we have uh, three stepchildren together I have been in nephrology since uh, 1989 and for those who don't know what nephrology is it's dealing with kidney disease high blood pressure folks who really are on dialysis and deal with chronic illness mm. which is part of where I feel my Christian walk comes in mm. Yeah. Uh, the issue of chronic illness is one that uh, everybody's going to deal with at some juncture, whether it be in their own person or with other people. So in terms of chronic illness, tell everybody what a chronic illness is. What does that mean? Um, it's an illness that a patient is going to probably spend the rest of their life dealing with. And in my world, because it often leads to dialysis, Patients know they're going to die if they don't do it, and at some point they're going to die on it and sometimes have to make difficult choices. Mm. When you're, uh, you mentioned that you're a kidney specialist specifically, mm-hmm. uh, tell everybody again what dialysis is because sometimes you know, we might forget about some of those things and why dialysis might be important to extending the life of somebody dealing with chronic illness. Okay. Well, our normal kidneys uh, clean our blood and get rid of waste products and fluid. And over time, if waste products are accumulating, people begin to get ill, struggle with fatigue, anemia, sometimes fluid overload, swelling, shortness of breath. 
and they may get to a point where they need dialysis, which is an artificial means of cleaning directly or indirectly their blood to mm. allow them to survive without much kidney function. Mm. And what, uh, what are the patients that you see most often? Are, are, would this be uh, folks dealing with diabetes, or is this uh, an extended to other diseases as well? Yeah, many, many diseases. Um, in our country, diabetes is one of the leading problems, and high blood pressure. Mm. Those are probably our two most significant mm. diagnoses. Mm. And so just to help everybody understand that, you know, yes, you deal, you're a specialist in uh, dealing with the kidneys, uh, human kidneys, uh, mm -hmm. But tell us specifically now about why it is that uh, you, as a doctor, deal with death perhaps mm -hmm. uh, more often than maybe some other doctors do. Well, if your kidneys don't work, you're not going to survive as long. There's people who may choose that they don't want dialysis. It's not appropriate for them, given their life circumstances. And they have to think about the choice to die of their natural disease or to try dialysis knowing maybe they don't want it. There are also patients on dialysis who reach a point where their quality of life is really poor and they want to come off knowing that within a limited period of time, usually within a few weeks, that they're going to die and they're afraid. Mm. So it brings up a lot of discussions about what to expect how to walk with them down that path. And it sounds like, uh, judging from conversations you and I have had in the past and, mm -hmm. and other kinds of connections, at least to my general knowledge of these things, uh, that this is something that you deal with on a regular basis. Yeah, it's really frequent. Um, every year we have a handful of patients who want to stop dialysis. Mm -hmm. And in our offices we have patients who tend to be older, but they tend to be people who don't want to start. Sometimes they worry they'll be a burden, mm -hmm. that they can't take care of themselves. Mm -hmm. Their kids are going to have to help, and they don't want to do that. Mm. Yeah, this is a very uh, profound issue, not just simply for the individual who is dealing with the issues of death, but everybody in the community around them, including their immediate family, which is really what this is, uh, discussion is, is primarily about. But let's go back to the issue of being a Christian. Mm -hmm. So... When you think about the difficulties that you face and helping others to deal with the difficulties mm -hmm. that they face as an outside source, as mm -hmm. an outside person who's helping that in, uh, them in their uh, medical uh, needs, uh, tell us a little bit about how does your Christian view of things make a difference in how you think about these, uh, these complications? Um, well, I think of it in several ways. I look at my role as a physician, and I truly feel it's a God-given privilege. Mm -hmm. People bear their lives. They bear their bodies. They develop a trusting relationship with you. Mm -hmm. I look at God has given us life, and only God can take it away. Mm -hmm. And yes, there is suffering and disease in this world, but part of the privilege I have is to walk with patients along that path. Mm -hmm. You said uh, one of the things that we talked about, HB mm -hmm. and I, before you uh, came on in the second hour here, was the issue of how does a Christian view these things? And we talked about some of the baseline ideas you just mentioned, that God is mm -hmm. the one who's the author of life and death. Mm -hmm. And also the issue, the last thing that we mentioned was that we are capable of giving people healing and hope and helping them uh, toward this 
inevitable end because everybody dies. I mean, the statistics are pretty uh, vital here. One out of one people die. So, you know, when we're talking about death, we're talking about something that's part of life. Mm -hmm. So maybe just uh, another quick question about this. Why do you think Christians... Mm -hmm should be most open about discussing issues concerning death? Why, why should we be talking about that more than anybody else, perhaps? Well, I think it's because we know our Lord and Savior Jesus, mm-hmm. and we know where we're going. We, we want Jesus to provide comfort mm-hmm. to our patients, mm-hmm. to know that they can trust him for where they're going and for really trusting him along the path of suffering that they're going to possibly go down. Mm-hmm. And that's something that uh, we don't really talk much about. We, we, w- we don't want to suffer. We don't want to see anybody else suffer. Mm-hmm. And so we struggle with this. How do we deal with this particular issue of keeping suffering, not only mm-hmm. from ourselves, but from mm-hmm. people that we really love and care about? You mentioned a moment ago that um, you use the metaphor of walking alongside your patients. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tell us a little bit about what that might look like, maybe even without, you know, names, of course, of folks, but maybe uh, an example or two of what does that look like in your primary care uh, where you're helping folks in this regard? Well, on, on a practical level also, when you look at the true meaning of compassion, it means to walk alongside that person down their path. It's really easy for me to say, oh, I'm just going to give you a handful of pills and you go take them. It's much harder to walk down the path with patients. Mm -hmm. It takes much greater skill for any physician. That might mean listening to their emotional needs, checking their physical needs, which on a practical level, that's what you're there to do, Mm -hmm. whether it be pain, suffering, nausea, vomiting, shortness of breath. But you have to be there and listen to them and walk with them. Offer sympathy. We can offer spiritual assistance, praying with them or for them, providing someone to come talk with them. Um, Their families are often involved. You have to attend to that. And, you know, Mark, these are things that take a lot of time. You don't get paid for those. Mm -hmm. It's a lot easier to just give you a handful of pills. Yes. We, we we live in a culture of the mm-hmm. immediate and the expedient. Mm-hmm. So we want something right now, and we want it to take care of whatever it is that we're concerned with immediately. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a real problem, I'm sure, that you face uh, in the pressures that you face in, from the culture in this regard. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you suggest, you know, it's a lot easier to do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk a little bit about the issue of uh, the time commitment. You m- mentioned just a moment mm-hmm. ago that you don't get paid for this. Mm-hmm. Um, how does that relate to being a doctor and uh, the care that you give outside of what would normally be expected in the physical care of individuals? Do uh, you mean in walking the path of a sure. patient dying? Yes. Yeah. Well, in general, it's to me, it's maybe phone calls, stopping by just to see that patient mm-hmm. a little more often, whether they're in the hospital, whether they're on dialysis, and even just for a quick minute asking mm. them, how are they doing? Mm. How's your family? Mm. Um, that is probably what I mean. Okay. This is a, a big issue, I think, that we don't often think about, the importance of time that we spend with people. Mm-hmm. And for everybody listening, uh, to, to highlight this particular and important point, that in our culture, 
we do not like to do hard. We like to do easy. And so in the culture, when we're talking about doing something quick or getting something over with, including ending someone's life, we, we seem in the culture, at least, to like that better. But from a Christian point of view, we're really concerned about spending time and caring for individuals. And this is a, a very proper and important concept uh, for uh, Christians as a whole. And that's the reason why you do what you do. And you mentioned that uh, this is uh, a privilege and God's it gift is. to you. It is, and it's a high calling and a privilege. Mm. And I want to spend each day um, doing what God would have me do and responding to each patient as I feel God would lead. Mm. This is really powerful. Dr. Agnes Schrader is with us here this morning on Warp and Wolf Radio. We're discussing assisted suicide. Just before we go to our first uh, musical break here in our second hour, um, I wanted to ask you specifically, what are some of the reasons given to promote assisted suicide and euthanasia? And then when we come back after the musical break, we'll deal with, with uh, some of the responses to this. But what are some of the reasons that people want to promote assisted suicide? Well, it's complex, but you're dealing with a small portion of society who wants autonomy. They don't want to suffer as their body goes down uh, the dying path. Uh, loss of bodily functions, fear of being dependent on others, inability to enjoy life in the way they want. Mm. They somewhat want to get it over with in their own timing mm. as opposed to in God's timing. Mm. This is a powerful issue, uh, one that a lot of people are discussing in one form or another. Uh, assisted suicide. You're listening to Warp and Woof Radio at radionext.tv at the Cool Groove site. Uh, we're going to take a quick, rate, uh, quick musical break, and we'll be right back talking with Dr. Agnes Schrader about assisted suicide. You're listening to radionext.tv at the Cool Groove site. This is Warp and Woof Radio. We come to you every Wednesday from 10 until noon. And we have different topics every particular week dealing with these topics from a decidedly Christian point of view, uh, coming right out of the book of Proverbs. Our emphasis, uh, one of the taglines in our show, is right from Titus chapter 3, to do good, do good, do good. And this week, we have with us a special guest discussing our topic of the week, assisted suicide, Dr. Agnes Schrader. And Dr. Schrader, in our last segment, uh, just before we went to break, I asked what are some of the reasons given to promote assisted suicide, and you gave us some of those reasons. Now, as, as a medical doctor, what problems do you see with the process of doctors giving prescriptions for medication so that people can commit suicide at home? What are some of the problems you see in this? Well, Mark, there's a, a great number of problems. Some of it is just what is the purpose of the medical profession, and the AMA has always said that it would be, we, we are trained to be healers, really, not killers, mm. and it's not really thought to be a physician's role. You have a basic trust relationship between physician and patients, and how many patients want to go to their doctor for um, diagnosis and hopefully healing and cures, but to know that doctor also has the power to kill them. Mm. And then you get to not all doctors are perf perfect moral agents. Not every doctor loves every patient. There's patients I like out of my life. And if I suddenly have the opportunity to give them some suicide pills as opposed to walking a very difficult path with them of their end of life, it might be a lot easier. 
there's no ramifications for that doctor once he does that. Um, as long as he has acted in good faith, he's free from prosecution, files are sealed, nobody knows, no one has access to it. Hmm. So it, it is a complex issue. Hmm. You mentioned uh, no doctor is uh, a completely uh, moral agent. Uh, when you say something like that, uh, are you at all intimating that we might be sinners? I could be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is a big deal. I mean, mm -hmm. when we're talking about imperfect moral agents, we're talking about people who could mm -hmm. uh, very well do something that's wrong, mm -hmm. generally speaking, and certainly from a biblical point of view, and that's, that's a very important point. Yeah, you mentioned uh, AMA. What does that stand for? Oh, the American Medical Association. And unfortunately, they initially created their um, statement back in 1992 that physician-assisted suicide is fundamentally incompatible with the physician's role as healer, that it would be very difficult or impossible to control and would pose serious societal risks. And unfortunately, due to the pressures from the other side, they are now reevaluating whether those truths still hold. Mm. When you talk about a reevaluation process, this is still underway. It's there's no other yes. statement being given yet. Yes, it's supposed to be brought up again at their June convention. Mm. And there's been a lot of people working with their uh, council on judicial affairs and ethical affairs. Okay. Uh, will you have a voice in this or others that you know might have a voice at this particular meeting or this juncture? Yes, there are voices given on both sides. But interestingly, the push for this came from the uh, student version of the AMA. Hmm. And it tells you where our young people are going towards death on demand, older people being in the way in society, consuming the goods, creating the costs that the world can't continue to afford. Mm -hmm. And maybe when you're a certain age, you need to get out of the way, which brings the topic of once you allow it, the right to die through physician-assisted suicide becomes the duty to die for some older or ill patients. Mm. And this is the scary part of all of this. In fact, yes. uh, in the first hour, uh, we actually started mm -hmm. uh, by talking about Soylent Green mm. and that movie mm -hmm. uh, where at the end of the show uh, we find out that people are Soylent Green. And specifically, there's a, a very interesting scene where a person who has reached the age of 65 in that mm -hmm. movie uh, has the duty, as you well suggest, mm -hmm. uh, to end their own lives uh, so that they can uh, give the resources that they're consuming to the mm -hmm. younger generation. Mm -hmm. And isn't it interesting that mm -hmm. a movie from 1973 continues to have application today? It does, and even today's world of bioethics, um, there is a large focus towards this. Ezekiel Emanuel is very well known, and he says for himself, after he's age 75, he doesn't want resources going to him. There's some medical schools that are teaching this. It's mm. very frightening. Mm. I think as, as we age, I don't want to be told, I can't have this cancer treatment. It's too expensive. It's much cheaper for me just to give you your suicide pills, which I, I think you mentioned earlier. But it's very frightening. We're all at risk. You, s you mentioned a name a moment ago. Um, Emmanuel. Ezekiel. Ezekiel, Ezekiel Emmanuel. Emmanuel. Could, could you give us uh, who... This particular individual might be uh, somebody that would want to promote 
in this regard so mm-hmm. that uh, they want to be the Soylent Green person who's ready to step aside so resources could go to somebody else. Yes, he does somewhat promote that. He um, writes certainly bioethical articles, and um, I believe he was initially involved with the Obamacare discussion on maybe rationing of care. Mm. Um, I don't want to speak above what I really know, though. Yeah, that's fine. Mm -hmm. Uh, When we talk about these things, though, uh, getting back to something that you just mentioned, uh, which is true for every single one of us, is that uh, when you reach a certain age, you don't want to be fearful uh, for somebody else to decide when your life should end. Correct. And, I mean, obviously that happens in the Netherlands, and people go in the hospital, don't know if they're coming out. People write when they go in please don't kill me. I don't want to be euthanized. It's a little different because they do euthanize. Uh, They also have physician-assisted suicide, but one of the doctors from the Netherlands who used to promote it over there has come out now speaking against it because he feels that over 20% of these people are being somewhat pushed from their families to go that direction. Mm. You know, in the United States, it's different. The compassion and choices people say it's working well in Oregon. We're not seeing that. But the issue is we don't have any data. It's all sealed. Once I give you those pills, the prescription for 90 to 100 capsules that you're going to take, you're going to take that prescription home, and you and potentially your family are going to decide when you're going to take it. Um, You get into things like if down the road dementia worsens or a person's no longer competent, someone in their family can force them to take these pills. We know you don't always die right away. Up to 15% of people um, have been reported to not necessarily die, and that's more in Europe. But we assume the same thing happens here. You may be nauseated, vomit, seize, have prolonged death, and none of that sounds very pleasant or like a dignified death, which we all seek. Mm. Yeah, when we talk about the issue of of Oregon or any of the other states, the other uh, four states uh, that have uh, accepted assisted suicide as law, uh, the sadness to us, and you know, here we are, uh, a culture that really depends on science, and we love data, and everybody wants to see the numbers. Mm-hmm. But all of a sudden, when we're discussing these kinds of issues, the numbers evaporate. Nobody wants yes. to talk about the numbers. Well, you just don't really have access. The doctors c- who provide the prescriptions have a minimal reporting that they can do, but any of the patient's records are sealed in I don't know if they're destroyed or just closed, but there's nobody available who's allowed to go see them. And in fact, Mark, if I give you a prescription and you die, commit suicide, your death certificate isn't going to say that. Mm. I have to put what your other underlying disease is. I don't put you committed suicide. And this is part of how uh, changing the terminology sanitizes suicide. You know, no matter what dictionary you can look up in suicide is always defined as the taking of one's life it is never defined in terms of mental competence the compassion and choices people strongly promote that when a physician helps you assist with your suicide that it's not suicide not to be called suicide it's called aid in dying it's a sanitization of the suicide 
process, but it is still suicide, and we should always call it what it is. Mm. Yeah, the issue of, uh, you just used a word that really is something that could be applicable in so many different discussions, and that is sanitizing Mm. terms. Mm -hmm. So when you talk about sanitizing terms, if we're discussing this particular issue, um, what did you say, aid in dying, was that it? Yeah, if you look at the bills promoted across at least half the states in the United States, it's called aid in dying, medical aid in dying. Um, It's using, as Rita Marker told me, verbal engineering to change social engineering to bring about these changes such that once it's accepted, we vote on it, we legalize it, we initially make it a choice, and then we make it a you have to do it. It's really scary. Verbal engineering leads to social engineering. Wow. That is a fantastic statement, uh, just in the sense of it really gets the point across. It's an awful statement in the sense that people are using words uh, literally to beat the other side with and Mm -hmm. make uh, folks change their mind about issues. Well, let me ask, let me go to this next uh, issue. Uh, In our discussion ahead of the interview uh, today, Uh, You and I were discussing assisted suicide, and you said that assisted suicide was harmful to the patient, family, society, and doctor. Could you give just a brief explanation of each of those? Why is assisted suicide harmful to those four categories, patient, family, society, and doctor? I'm not sure there's a brief explanation. Okay. Um, I could tell you initially for the patient, 20% of people get a wrong diagnosis. So, Mark, if you come to me with belly pain and I find a CAT scan with a lump in your belly, I can decide you have pancreatic cancer, and lo and behold, you probably are going to die within six months, and, oh, you don't want pain and suffering? Let me give you this prescription. I'm going to send you to my partner to confirm that that is the same case. You don't have to go to a subspecialist. Matter of fact, an oncologist may never see you. You may not have a biopsy. But me, as the doctor acting in good faith, is not liable. So you may go home and kill yourself and have a wrong diagnosis. Mm. And we all know people with, quote, terminal diagnoses who certainly don't die. They may be live a year or two later beyond medical expectations. And so doctors can be wrong. Mm. Wow. Doctors can be wrong. Wow. That's not something we necessarily even want to think about, do we? Yeah, this is a very important topic, uh, one that's uh, on people's minds at one point or another in their life. We're going to take another short musical break. You're listening to RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site. Warp and Woof Radio. We'll be right back. And we are back, RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site. You're listening to Warp and Woof Radio. We come to you every Wednesday morning from 10 until noon, dealing with issues in our community in Indianapolis and uh Every single week we deal with something new. We have different guests on the show. Interviews go in different directions. We always focus on Christians who are doing good in the Indianapolis community. And this week we are privileged to have in studio Dr. Agnes Schrader, who is uh, helping us to understand uh, why it is uh, we should, as Christians, be standing against assisted suicide. Just before a break, um, you gave us a good overview of uh, assisted suicide being harmful to the patient, family, society, and doctor. Let's deal with the issues uh, now of the word choice here. 
We had talked earlier about aid in dying uh, being a sanitization of words so that it sounds better than suicide. Let's talk now about uh, how do words like compassion and choice reframe the discussion negatively in your view? Well, the old Hemlock Society, which was a society that dealt with planning your death, um, renamed themselves to Compassion and Choices. It's a much prettier, softer-sounding name. And if you think about just the word compassion, you know, it implies soft, empathetic, oh, warm and fuzzy. And choices, I have choices to die when I want to die, not when God's ready to take me home. So the Compassion and Choices movement was really spurred on by the story of Brittany Maynard. She was a young woman who lived in California in her 20s, recently married, got a bad brain tumor. She didn't want to go the course of probably chemo and radiation, knowing she'd have seizures and probably a prolonged dying process. She moved to Oregon so that she could get physician-assisted suicide. And we all watched this take place, that she decided the day and the time that she would be with her husband and family and take her suicide pills and reportedly died a painless death. And this really stirred everybody's compassion and emotions because we all know some terrible cases where certainly death on demand sounds compassionate. But I tell you again that true compassion is giving these folks a death with dignity you know it's walking alongside them alleviating their pain and suffering and helping them walk this path until they die a natural death giving them a hand instead of a handful of pills mm. so it really is a, is the humanness uh, mm-hmm. that really sets us apart as Christians yes because whoever has pain and suffering and is maybe dying everybody deserves that is part of our job as physicians, honestly, to walk alongside them. And I think Compassion and Choices feels that compassion is allowing me to die when I want to die, uh, expressing my autonomy. Mm. And there's this feeling that it's okay for me, it doesn't hurt anybody else, it's just me and my life. But having legislation that affects this minority of people affects really the majority of the rest of us and it's going to affect all of us as we age and sooner or later the disabled the marginalized the elderly the demented are going to be pressured into this Mm. all of this because uh, somebody has decided now uh, that the word choice and compassion are words that really should promote how we think about these things And it goes back to something that I talk about in the program on a regular basis, actually, and that is uh, how words can be twisted in ways to compel us or command us uh, to go or move in a certain direction. And I think it's really important that uh, that we recognize this. You had mentioned a moment ago that uh, the emphasis on being a human being and that doctors uh, are walking alongside their patients uh, to do this. Uh, why is this uh, so important to you as an individual, not just uh, as maybe as a, as a Christian, as a doctor, but why is it important for you, Dr. Schrader, to walk alongside people uh, engaged in this finality of life? 
Well, I think it's part of what I feel is the privilege of sharing people's lives and sharing their pain and suffering. And for me personally, I feel it's a gift God gave me. It's where I get my reward and where I, I wish to do it to please God, but it's also rewarding mm. to myself. Mm. The issue of uh, taking care of others uh, the concept Jesus uh, emphasized that we should love others as we love ourselves uh, certainly uh, plays into our discussion here today. Um, when we talk about this, we've kind of talked around the issue a little bit, uh, but these problems that we're facing with legislation, um, how do you see this being played out in the assisted suicide movement, uh, concerns for leg legislative action, and what kind of power uh, that this could have uh, in ways that could harm people in the future? Well, it's somewhat the same concept. You have a minority of people who want this. They want it to be a standard medical treatment offered so that you go and see your doctor. Maybe you have cancer. You can go one route with chemotherapy. You can go another route with assisted suicide. It's just a standard medical treatment. So it obviously becomes cheaper for the standard medical treatment to be what insurance companies are going to want to pay. So I always want legislatures to make sure they understand that, that there's external pressures on what physicians can do based on what they sign into law. And there's obviously pressures upon the weak and the marginalized, the demented, many, many patients as they age feel a burden to their family and these people begin to feel that they need to get out of the way and sometimes families pressure these patients into doing this mm. sometimes unfortunately there's uh, money in a will mm. and if we get mom out of the way it's been a lot of burden taking care of her maybe she'd like physician assisted suicide and so there's a lot of um, things that can happen that we really don't have any safeguards or regulations mm, about. Yeah. Down the road, uh, these kinds of things could be twisted in a different direction. Mm -hmm. uh, legislation that's born today could be uh, have unintended consequences into the future. These are the mm -hmm. kinds of things, I think, that scare all of us uh, anytime we get government involved in anything. Yes. Uh, this is uh, Government will always expand. They will mm -hmm. never contract. Mm -hmm. Any uh, any laws that are created now are going to be laws that will uh, just balloon into something brand new in the future that we don't even know about. Yeah, and you know, interesting, Mark, uh, back in 1997, this issue came to the Supreme Court, and they basically said, you have a right to suicide, but not to physician-assisted suicide, because the goals are to preserve life, prevent suicide. We know there's a huge problem with that. We wanted to, or the Supreme Court was concerned about avoiding the involvement of third parties who could have undue influence. These are our insurance companies. They wanted to protect the integrity of the medical profession and, importantly, to avoid any future movement towards euthanasia. And I don't understand why, if these things were valid in the 1990s, why are they no longer valid? Hmm. Once again, we find ourselves being pressured uh, by certain groups. I'm reminded of, of this uh, in the awfulness of what happened in the 20th century uh, when we talk about uh, the Holocaust, for instance. Mm -hmm. 
Um, the very first people, and I don't know if folks actually realize this, but the first people killed in the Holocaust were not Jews. They were World War I uh, soldiers, German soldiers who were amputees, and Hitler called them useless eaters. Now, when you have a, a person who's in charge of a country who decides that you no longer have value because you're taking away resources from other people, as we have already discussed, younger mm-hmm. people, um, this is a very scary proposition. We could see this coming back again. There's no real uh, bulwark against this uh, happening again. No, it is really frightening, and that's, I believe, why a lot of the disability rights advocates are out there. They're afraid that they're going to lose their ability to get care, that others who are not in their shoes are going to feel you're using the resources, your life doesn't have worth. Where we know as Christians, every life has worth. Young, old, ill, demented, disabled, they all matter. They all do. When we talk about this being made in God's image, everybody has worth, value, and dignity. So Mm -hmm. everybody that we see, everybody that we look at, uh, literally is mirroring uh, who God is. I wanted to bring back uh, at least one of the websites I was mentioning in the first hour, in case you're just joining us here in the second. Uh, I wanted to mention PatienceRightsAction.org. That's PatienceRightsAction.org a very important uh, group that is standing against uh, physician-assisted suicide because of this very issue that people are concerned that somebody might take uh, the power away from them uh, in a way that uh, maybe the law says it one way now, but it can be twisted to say something in the future about this. Uh, let's go to... Can I just add one yeah, thing please, there? Yeah, please, go ahead. Um, another excellent site with a similar name is Patients' Rights Council. This is from a woman named Rita Marker, a small place in Ohio. She's a lawyer that spends her whole life fighting this issue. She has a phenomenal website of information, um, what's going on in what state, how you can talk to your doctor and protect yourself. And so that is patientsrightcouncil.org. Very good. Thanks for Mm -hmm. adding that. This is uh, actually coming out of Steubenville, Ohio. Uh, this particular emphasis from Rita Marker. So make sure to check that out. That's Patients' Rights Council, C-O-U-N-C-I-L.org, and make sure to check out uh, what is said on that particular website as well. Well, let me highlight one more uh, question here before we go to to any kind of final words you might have for the audience. As a Christian, what are the basic beliefs that you see as foundational for churches? Now, here's where the rubber hits the road, churches to teach about assisted suicide. We have churches teaching about all different kinds of things. How can they uh, deal with this foundationally in the church to teach about assisted suicide? Well, Mark, I thought about that, and I think it comes back to that only God gives and takes away life, and that we don't have a right to do that, and that all life has value. And that it's understanding that there's excellent palliative care available. There are people to walk this path with you to share in your suffering. Don't shut your family out of this. That's a huge issue with um, assisted suicide. Your family doesn't have to be notified. I don't want to come home and find my mother or my 20-year-old daughter has committed suicide and that I was never notified or never had a chance. People love you and want to walk this path with you. 
You mentioned a phrase just so that all, all of our listeners uh, understand. Palliative care, could you explain? Yeah, palliative care is um, similar but different from hospice care. Palliative care is when the quality of your life is such that you would benefit from assistance with either pain and suffering, um, emotional distress. You're not necessarily expected to die in the next six months, but you need some help walking that path. Mm, very good. It, it's important to understand all of these phrases, and uh, you know, somebody that's a doctor is the one who ought to be telling us these things, so that's important too. Uh, just as from a preacher's point of view, let me just say to any pastor or church member uh, that might be listening or hears us later on the podcast, this is why it is so important as pastors, as preachers, to engage the culture, to speak to the issues, allowing the text of the Word of God to speak uh, as it did to the people, whether it be 2,000 years ago or 3,500 years ago, but then to see those same universal principles that God's established in his world uh, and speak to them in the culture in the day in which we live. Uh, and certainly there are passages in Scripture that would deal with issues of death and dying and autonomy and choice and compassion, and we ought to bring up these kinds of ideas. Well, Dr. Schrader, uh, your presence on the program today is very valuable for us. What kind of final words might you have for our audience? Um, I mostly just want to really impress that physician-assisted suicide is still suicide. It's never the right thing. There are other alternatives, and it's dangerous. It's dangerous for patients, families, and society. And one of my mentors, Dr. David Stevens from Christian Medical Society, had a really good sentence, and it basically said, as doctors, we don't have all the answers, but it's never right to do the wrong thing. Mm. It's never right to do the wrong thing. Wow. What a powerful way to end this particular program. Uh, Dr. Schrader, thank you so much again for being with us. Thank uh, you. Grateful for your time and your talent, of course, the gifts that you're sharing, uh, not just with your patients, but now with a wider audience mm -hmm. uh, on this particular issue that's uh, mm -hmm. compelling all of us in one way or another to make these kinds of discussions. Uh, you're listening to Radio Next TV at the Cool Groove site. This is Warp and Woof Radio. We come to you every Wednesday morning from 10 until noon. Next week, we have a special treat. Uh, my children are actually taking me to Lexington, Kentucky, which is going to be a lot of fun uh, for my 60th birthday. We're celebrating it. And uh, our good friend, Pastor Brian Hudson, will be coming in to take our place next week. Very happy for this. Uh, Pastor Hudson is a friend of ours, friend of Cominius. Glad to have him take over the program. Cousin to H.B. Bell. Yes, we must not leave that out. We look forward to his presence here in the studio next week, and you'll hear all about his good ministries and the doing good that he does in the Indianapolis area. We're grateful, uh, Pastor Hudson, for your joining us next week to take our spot. Uh, come back to listen to Pastor Hudson next week because he'll be dealing with some very important and powerful ideas, especially as it relates to young people and their important part that they play in the church. You're listening to Radio Next.tv at the Cool Groove site, Warp and Woof Radio, every Wednesday from 10 until noon. Find us here again next week. And until that time next week, we'll see you then.